You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 492. I'm Tim Robertson, and uh, yes, David Cohen is on the show, but a little different this week. Um, David and I just, for the last couple weeks, haven't been able to get together and do a show in person, if you will, um, which sucks. You know, I, I like to do the show with David, and generally, if he's not here, um, I'm not going to do a solo show. I did a short one not too long ago, but David actually recorded, yeah, you know, like a 29 minute or something like that, half hour, a little less, um, tech fan segment, and I'm going to do the same, open the show here, and then we'll jump over to uh, David's comments, mostly about WWDC, of course, because this was the week that Apple, well, last week, was the week that uh, Apple showed everything that's coming up, and... The big news, of course, is the long-awaited uh, VR set, although they don't call it VR. Um, Vision Pro for $3,500. Wow, that's a lot of money. Now, this is a first-gen product. It, it, you know it's going to be expensive. That's kind of the t- traditional way that Apple does it. But, man, I don't know, $3,500. You know, here's the thing. I, I don't know why everyone seems to want VR or AR, but those of us who have it, I think, don't use it very often. And this is, it, it kind of just replaces the screen in your Mac, doesn't it? Gesture based, you got to wear these things on your head with a battery pack. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Was it a cool demo? Sure. Can I see myself using it? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what this does that I can't already do on my Mac. Okay, granted, I can't look at pictures and, you know, around me and above and all that, but I can do that on my other 3D or uh, VR devices, and I never do. I mean, it's cool for like a minute, and then it's like, okay. It's not like it's a holodeck or something. A lot of people are like, oh, we're finally getting like a holodeck. Except you don't feel anything. You just look at things. It's a gesture based with your fingers, which I'm sure I'd get used to pretty quickly. And you just ask Siri things. You just say, hey, Siri, do this. And she does it. I don't get it. I I really don't. I don't think this is a product for me, at least not initially. I have. Do I want to play with one? Yeah. But here's the thing. I can't just order one online. You actually have to go to an Apple store because they have to. Siri is over there um, (laughs) saying stuff. Uh, You you can't just order one online. You have to go to the Apple store. They have to fit you with it with your vision and, I don't know, some lenses or something. It sounds like uh, an awful mess. And heaven forbid you don't live near an Apple store. I don't. The nearest Apple store for me is at least an hour away. I'm going to drive an hour away to buy $3,500 something, and hopefully I like it. I know you can demo it there, but even still, I I just see this, and I've said this before, this is a solution looking for the problem, and I don't see the problem. Um, Dave Hamilton um, and I were chatting a little bit while he was commenting on my Facebook post when this first came out. And he said this would actually help him because he can have multiple monitors and do different stuff. And it doesn't take any physical space. Okay, I get that. But $3,500? Really? 
And is it going to be more productive than just using your Mac? It's, it's going to be more productive than using a mouse and a keyboard. Oh, it's got a virtual keyboard. Yeah, those suck. You ever use a virtual keyboard? They're terrible. I mean, it, they're not good. Well, Tim, but you can use a physical keyboard with it. Okay, so now i got to sit down and use a keyboard in my VR space. Yeah. Like I said, it just feels like this is a problem looking... I'm sorry, it's a solution looking for a problem. I, I, I'll i be honest with you. Almost everything at WWDC was kind of like, okay, was it that big of a deal? Uh, the new MacBook Air with a 15.3-inch display with M2... Starts at thirteen hundred bucks. That's a hell of a good deal. That's a <laughs> that is a really really compelling computer right there. Thirteen hundred bucks, you get an M two and a fifteen point three inch screen uh, in the MacBook Air. Oof, that's that's a good machine right there. That, I would jump all over that. Uh, the new Mac Studio, it's basically a speed bump over the current one. It's an M two and M two Ultra chips. What I don't understand, and David talks about this in a lot more detail, is, <clears throat> yeah, new Mac Pro, M2 Ultra chip, extra ports, whoo, so we can finally put a, a heavy-duty GPU in one, right? Yeah, no. No, looks like it's just still onboard graphics, so, I, I and David says the same thing, I don't see the point of this at all. Over a Mac Studio, it I, once again it's a solution looking for a problem that doesn't exist, because the problem was a Mac that you can put a really heavy duty Nvidia like GPU that's way more powerful than the stuff built on the chip that Apple's support, supporting on this machine or the Mac Studio, but you can't do it. It doesn't look like you can connect a breakout box with. A, you know, a really heavy-duty GPU on it. And the only people that really are looking at something in the form factor of a super-powerful desktop like a Mac Pro would be those who need the GPU performance. I, I don't see what... This doesn't help them at all. But it's rack-mountable. Who cares? It... I don't know. I think Apple really dropped the ball with a Mac Pro. It almost looks like they said, you know what? We need to update this because it's getting kind of embarrassing that it's been in our lineup for so long and hasn't been updated since 1997. <laughs> Not really, but it kind of feels that way. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, new Mac Pro, yay, but nah. Uh, iOS 17 looks interesting. Of course, it's just kind of more of the same, but updated and a little bit more functionality. The... Um, Standby screen seems kind of interesting, though. I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. I don't care about the journaled app at all. Uh, you don't have to say, hey, SR or SIRI. I'm not going to say it again because mine's going to freak out behind me again. Um, that's kind of cool, I guess. I mean, sure. Desktop widgets are coming to uh, Sonoma, the new version of the Mac OS. Um, didn't, didn't we already have this? I remember doing the My Mac podcast way back in the mid-2000s, and Guy Searle, current host of the MyMac Podcast, had a segment called the Desktop... No, the the Widget... What was it now? Desktop Widgets or Side, I can't remember. But it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It gives you widgets that kind of 
live on the desktop, but they don't interact with Windows. They're kind of like the desktop. I don't, I don't see a big deal about that. But I tell you what, I do see kind of a big deal, and it could be anyways. Is TVOS 17 with the new Apple TV will support FaceTime, so you can do video conferencing. And I guess the big video conferencing company is going to release software too. Um, but you have to have, of course, an, an iPhone. You put on a little stand. And then you can see everything on the great big screen. It's kind of cool. I think it would have been kind of a lot better at the height of COVID. You know, I don't know why they waited until COVID's kind of recessed for a lot of people. Um, and then come out with a feature that, wow, that would have been really helpful not too long ago. But now it's like, meh. Uh, so that was WWDC. There's a lot more stuff. I mean, everybody listening to this has probably watched the keynote. I never watch the full keynote anymore. Uh, I always find one of those, you know, the whole keynote in 23 minutes because it gives you all the big highlights. I don't need to see the small minutia through the entire thing. It's quite boring. Um, and, and I'm not just, I guess if you're a super fanboy, you want to don't want to miss anything of it, then it might be worth watching. Um, but for me, I just want the highlights. Give me, you know, the big things that are coming. And I, it's not that I wasn't, underwhelmed or anything but i wasn't overwhelmed either i'm just kind of like yeah okay I, i'm really i don't understand the vision pro um i don't know like i said it's a solution looking for a problem that simply doesn't exist right now it seems to be that it would turn into one of those uh yeah i use it occasionally but it, yes you can see through it and the, the Everyone who used one at the demo was just raving how great it was. You know, the I can see right through it, and it just feels like I'm wearing goggles and I'm looking at the environment naturally through glass. But still, it's it's the environment. Um, way better, it sounds like, than what Facebook and Sony has done. But I don't know. You're still. I guess if you're single, this is what I post on Facebook. I guess if you're. You have way too much money and you're single and live alone, then this would be a great product. If you've got family and a wife and our husband and kids and dogs and cats, and I don't know, you're just kind of, even though it's AR and you can have things floating around you and still see the environment, I don't know, there's still this separation. They can see your eyes unless you do something, turn the crown, and then they can tell that you can't see them because you can't see their eyes and you're completely immersed is VR or argumented reality or whatever the hell Apple's calling this thing um, the next generation of greatness? It could be, you know, and I, of course I'm speaking out of ignorance. I haven't put one on my head and seen what it's like. Maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I just don't get it. I, I readily admit that I didn't understand the Apple watch at first either. It seemed kind of stupid. Although honestly, the only thing I really use my Apple watch for is payments and telling the time and looking at the weather. That's about it. Um, I don't know. I, I want to be really excited for it. I'm just not. I, 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 again, ignorance, sure. I mean, I haven't played with one. <laughs> Until I play with one, man, I, I can't say if it's cool or not. But, yeah. Anyways, that was WWDC. Um, some cool stuff coming, you know. The only thing that... Look, I don't need a new computer. I've got a Mac Studio. I don't need a new phone. 
my current one's fine. I bought it, you know, it's the current generation, so that's not going anywhere for a couple of years. Um, and I don't think they even announced phones, did they? No. So is there going to be a big change to the iPhone? I don't think so. I think it's going to be pretty much the same thing that we have right now. Better camera, better screen, maybe. I mean, there's only so many things they can iterate with the iPhone at this point until they give us a foldable or something completely different, but I don't see that changing anytime soon. It's too much of a cash cow, and Apple's not going to change that. Uh, so what have I been doing? Um, I bought a new game system. It's a uh, Legends Pinball Mini. It's a little digital pinball thing, and it's got some fun tables on it. I've been playing that quite a bit. I put legs on it, so it's not. It's too big for a desktop, but it's it's pretty small. And I've been playing that quite a bit, and I'm trying to figure out how to hook up a computer and use, like, uh, the FX tables, the Star Wars and Marvel and stuff like that, those kind of tables, because those are really fun. I've played them on my iPad, played them on my Xbox. I would love to get that in the actual uh, a pinball cabinet like this thing is, but I've got a computer, and I've hooked it up, and I can't figure out how to map the buttons. I've gone through all the tutorials I could find, and nothing's really working, so... I'm kind of stepping away from it for a little while and um, trying to figure out, you know, do I even care about, I, I, I do care. I, I do want to play it. It's just, I don't know, uh, too much things to do and not enough time, which is one of the reasons that David and I haven't really been able to get together recently. And next week's going to be no exception. Uh, I am going to be in uh, Manhattan next week, New York, starting, in fact, we leave uh, a week from today, today being Sunday. And uh, I won't be back until the following Thursday. So I'm going to be gone. I'm not doing a show next week. And uh, I did want to put something out. And hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I'm going to kick it over to David and let him wrap up. And uh, I'll see you guys in Hi, a couple weeks. Hi, it's David, one of your tech fan hosts here. Um, as I mentioned, if uh, I've done a one of these for, Geek, for Geeks Pub as well. Um, I've got some personal issues at the moment in terms of uh, illness in the family and that means that Tim and I have not been able to record like we would normally do so I've decided this week what I'm going to do is uh, record some solo stuff uh, send it to Tim and then he can put it into a show and maybe respond to what I say or uh, bring up something else so that you're still getting some content from us even if we're not doing a regular conversation style show to each other so um as I record this, it's the Saturday after WWDC from Apple, which was on Monday. Uh, started on Monday of, of the week that's just finishing. Um, obviously, they announced quite a lot. And um, I just wanted to... Uh, obviously, I, I can't give any, any detailed um, discussion because that's the sort of thing I would do with Tim. But what I will do is just give you my initial impressions uh, and see what's... See what came to me after I uh, sat down and watched the keynote and uh, thought about what they released. So, first of all, the Macs. Um, I think the MacBook Air 15-inch is kind of an obvious product. Um, I have a 15-inch thin and light laptop from Dell that, that work has given me, and I absolutely love it. Um, it's Even though it's a 15-inch computer, it's um, so thin and light that it weighs much less than even smaller 14 or 13 inch computers i've had in the past which tend to be bulkier um because it's big it has a nice big screen the one i've got is particularly uh particularly nice got an oled touch screen which is uh kind of cool um and um great battery life because it has plenty of room for a battery 
in the base of the machine. Good performance. Yeah, it's a great computer. And so the MacBook Air um, using Apple Silicon um, is an obvious it's an obvious thing to do to take the 13 inch and make a 15 inch version for a little bit more money. Um, and actually I think this is, I think the 15 inch MacBook air is going to sell like gangbusters because I, I'm sure there are plenty of people who go into the Apple store looking to buy a reasonably priced laptop and they look at the 13 inch MacBook air. It's got great performance, got epic battery life. Um, you've got choice of design. You've got the old style, the M one style or the M two, uh, machines which have kind of got the uh, the more blocky squared off style but they're still incredibly thin um you've got no problems with the keyboards and all that sort of thing now they are they are awesome computers frankly and i think a lot of people go in and say you know what that's fine but i want something a little bit bigger and then you've got to start looking at the 14 or the 16 inch macbook pros which is a really big jump in money um and if all you want is a bigger screen you don't need extra performance then i would argue that going to a pro instead of an air is kind of a it's not great value because the jump in price is is quite substantial to bring you different performance characteristics that you might not want if you just want a larger screen i think a lot of people are going to go in and they go okay so we've got the macbook air at what i think it's about 1100 dollars now the 13 you can get the m1 macbook air at, at under a thousand dollars now if you want to 999 um, and then you can go, well, it's a couple hundred dollars more. I can have a 15-inch version. I think that's going to be quite compelling for a lot of people. Uh, MacBook Air is Apple's big seller anyway, so I'm sure that's a sensible product to do. Um, I look forward to seeing the reviews, but I hope it's really, really an epic computer. So we'll see how that goes. Mac Studio, um, yeah, uh, Tim probably gnashed his teeth at that one because he bought one with an M1 chip in it, and he wanted an M2, and now they're there. Um Mac Studio is a is again is good enough computer for virtually anybody I think, um, and uh, interesting enough one thing I've heard is is people have said oh well, they've put new processes in but I don't know whether they've improved the cooling because some people say that it's it has an annoyingly noticeable fan um, I don't have one so I don't know I don't know whether Tim finds that or not um, but look the thing is I I say tend to say to anybody that you know the M1 processor is so good. Uh, it was such a generational leap in performance. It gave you performance faster than anything that Apple had in the Intel line, all the way up to the Mac Pro. Um, so um, the M2 is faster, but <laughs> I mean, we go from the M1 and M2, I think we're very much in the realms of not many people need that additional performance because the M1's already so fast. So um, obviously in the Mac Studio, you're not worried about power consumption and battery life as much. Um, but uh, you you know you're you're buying something that's that's like a tall Mac Mini with plenty of performance in it. Um, but it's good that that product is being reviewed and, and uprated on a regular basis because Apple sometimes leaves products on the vine uh, means they're becoming less and less good value. So I'm pleased that the Mac Studio is still continuing to get attention. Which brings me on to the Mac Pro, which was the Last computer from the uh, Intel to Mac Silicon transition. And this is the one I look at it, I think I don't get it. Because it has exactly the same internals as the Mac Studio. Um, you can specify exactly the same way. And the limitation of Apple Silicon, because the whole computer is effectively in the central processor as a system on a chip, that means that you have to take the graphics 
chips that that Apple give you that are baked into that that board, and you also have to take the memory because the whole point of Apple Silicon is everything is on the same board. Effectively, it's whole one one whole big processor, and it's all tightly integrated. And that's where the great performance comes from. But the problem is that means you can't swap out those parts. And when you come to a Mac Pro, traditionally, that's one of the things people like to do with a uh, a workstation class machine is they want to stuff it full of RAM. The previous Mac Pro would take up to one and a half terabytes of RAM. The new Apple Silicon one can take whatever they can put on the um, on the uh, M2 Max onto the the M Apple Silicon processors, which is a maximum of 192 gigabytes. Um, now, 192 gigabytes is a lot of RAM, but if you need a machine that for some reason has has to have 100 uh, one and a half terabytes, you can't do that on Apple Silicon. Similarly, you can't replace the GPU in a Mac Pro with Apple Silicon. Whereas the old one, you could. It had slots for that. You could put as many GPUs in there as you wanted. And people use GPUs for computationally intensive tasks now. They they use to take load off the processors to do some things that are optimized for the sort of calculations that graphics processors make. Bitcoin is one of them. Um, Not that I recommend people do that. But if you're doing any sort of rendering... Um, a rendering of graphics and that sort of thing, then a GPU is obviously designed for that. Uh, and there's a whole load of other computational tasks where if you can break it into the sort of chunks that GPUs are very good at doing, you can really get a lot of performance out of having GPUs. And so the advantage as well is that you're not stuck with the GPU you buy when you buy the computer. You can upgrade it to the latest and greatest. These, some of the background here is these GPUs are all from NVIDIA. And Apple and NVIDIA don't really see eye to eye. Uh, A few years ago, um, Apple was using NVIDIA um, graphics um, processors in in their laptops, um, and they kept breaking. And uh, uh, Apple and NVIDIA kind of fell out over that, and um, they've never really got on since. So Apple has obviously said, well, we're not going to support... And the the last Mac Pro, I think, didn't really have great support for NVIDIA cards. Um... That Apple has now said, well, we, you know, our, our system on a chip has its own graphics processing in it. Um, when you buy these these Max or Ultra processors, they have a lot of GPU in there, but even the best Apple GPUs aren't as good as NVIDIA's latest products. And again, you're stuck with what you buy when you buy it. You can't upgrade them. You can't add more. Um, so the only thing you can add to the Apple Silicon Mac Pro is uh, input-output, so cards for um, kind of fibre and that sort of thing if you're shuttling a lot of data around, that sort of thing. Um, Or you can put more storage in it. So you can put SSDs, you can put spinning disks in if that's what you want. The problem I have with this is that I don't think that really meets the needs that most people who want a Mac Pro need. I think they do want to be able to do GPUs. They do want to be able to... um, upgrade the ram in the computers and so the apple pro the the mac pro now addresses a smaller part of what's already a very small market and i think what's going to happen is that people can look at this it's still the same price in fact it's more expensive than the old one um so i think a lot of people going to look at this and go well it's more expensive and it does less than i need um so why should i stick with the mac why should i not just go with a windows machine um, yes, you won't get the CPU performance you can maybe get with the uh, with the uh, Apple Silicon, 
but I think for some of these machines, it's not all about the silicon. The the uh, the CPU performance is about these other things that the Mac Pro doesn't address. And you know what? If they come out with the Mac Pro and it was half the price to recognize the fact that it has limitations, I think people might have gone for it a bit more. But no, they haven't. They've upped the price. So um, look, maybe Apple knows the market better than just an idiot like me does. So we'll see. But I suspect what this is is a slow decline of the Mac Pro. And I think inadvertently they've done what they did with the trash can mac pro which is didn't they didn't update it for five years i mean literally didn't update it at all didn't reduce the price and then they got all the journalists in and said you know what we made a mistake with this we boxed ourselves into a design corner we couldn't upgrade it thermally um and that meant we and we couldn't get the parts to replace the internals um and so that's why we've never upgraded it. And we're not going to make that mistake again we're going to redo the mac pro into something that's upgradable and that's how we got the $6,000 machine we have today. And yet, because they've migrated it to Apple Silicon, um, and Apple Silicon has baked into it some of these design choices on to get the best performance, the RAM and the GPUs need to be integrated into the processor, they've actually inadvertently, for the Mac Pro, boxed themselves into another design corner. Um, and I'm sure the penny dropped some time ago. But here we are. This is what we've got. And... Um, yeah, I think most people are going to buy Mac Studios, let's be honest. Uh, and I wonder if the people who need the extra expansion that you get in a Mac Pro are going to look at it and go, you know, it's not really the expansion expansion I want, so looks like I'm going back to Intel. Interesting to see. We'll see how, how that product goes. It wouldn't, wouldn't, be it wouldn't surprise me, though, if it's never updated again and then disappears, if it doesn't sell well talking of expensive things and there's a question mark about how it will sell we have of course the new platform from apple the vision pro now having watched the keynote i think it's an incredible technology demonstrator i think that the technology in it is amazing and it's game-changing i think there's been nothing like this in in uh, certainly nothing like this in vr ever before and the fact that it actually they, they've made some very clever decisions about making it a VR headset that does AR, augmented reality, because it, it basically it's feeding through on some very high resolution screens what the cameras see from outside the headset. And then they have the, the trick with the eyes. So it, anybody looking at you thinks they're seeing your face like your um, Samus Aran um, in Metroid. You see uh, you see like a tinted version of your face through the goggles. Um so I think it's, I, th I think it's very clever. Um, and I th think the technology is, an, is amazing. It doesn't surprise me. It costs as much as it does because they've really pushed the design boat out on this. Interestingly enough though, I, uh, I, I mentioned this in the show uh, a few weeks back. I own the first version of magic leap, um, which was a similar headset that actually conceptually does a lot of the same things that Apple does with the Vision Pro. Now, Magic Leap was designed, well, I, I imagine the design process was about seven or eight years ago. Uh, it came out a few years later. Um, it wasn't a success. It was it was a venture-funded product, um, and it wasn't a huge success. They did a later version, the Magic Leap 2, that also wasn't a huge success, and is still not a huge success. And so there's a similar product from Microsoft called the HoloLens that also does a, a similar thing, where it's it's overlaying graphics over 
the real world rather than what um, Meta does with the Oculus, where it's actually a full VR headset. The difference between Magic Leap and um, the HoloLens versus what Apple are doing is that the uh, Magic Leap I have basically projects the graphics over a set of glasses that you wear. Magic Leap actually um, looks like an older, clunky version of the Vision Pro. It has a tether to the battery, and the processor for the Magic Leap is also in the pack that you put in your pocket. Um, and you know what? That's for, I know there's a lot of fuss about that before the Vision Pro came out. It's really not a big deal. Once you actually put the headset on and realize that you don't have that extra weight on your head, you you know, you're quite happy to live with the cable and put it in your pocket. Um, Magic Leap uh, is actually quite a nice product. It's, you struggle a bit now because it because it's older. The software support isn't as good as it used to be, but it it functions conceptually very similar to Vision Pro. You can once you've got it up and running, it's a separate separate computer with its own Wi-Fi, just like Vision Pro. Uh, and what it does is it maps the space you're in. So it knows physically what space you're in uh, and where you are in the space. And that's what Vision Pro does as well. Uh, And that means you can draw out graphics or screens or whatever you're looking at. uh, and, And you do the same as the Vision Pro. You place them in space and they stay there. They don't. It's not like a head up display. Um, So they stay physically in space as you move your head. And if you move around the room, they will stay where they are. Uh, getting smaller and larger as if they're floating in space the difference with hololens and magic leap versus um what apple are doing with vision pro is that because they're overlaying uh, effectively they've got glass prisms that are overlaying the graphics over what you see the the viewport you see is is narrower it, it doesn't fill the entire frame of your vision so um there is a I've, I've never tried the HoloLens, but I've heard the first HoloLens was quite bad for this. It was almost like peering through a letterbox. The Magic Leap one, you have a little bit of that effect, but the uh, the, the the space is bigger. So um, you actually get used to it very quickly. It doesn't really bother you. Vision Pro doesn't have that problem because everything you're looking at is a screen. So it fills your entire field. That's one of the uh, improvements that, that Apple have done. The difficulty, having having played around with this, you know, is that... I, I think conceptually, the idea of putting your apps, your screens in, you know, floating in space and then having them being pinned in the space, it's all very cool and all. And cool Apple's, you know, graphically look great. The resolution is fine. They even cast shadows and all of that sort of stuff. But, and, and you, you'll notice this if you watch the keynote, everybody using it is kind of standing still or sitting down. And, to me i think that's because that's how people use computers they don't wander around while they're doing it they 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 say right i'm gonna sit i'm gonna play with the computer and we're gonna play with the phone we're gonna play with the laptop whatever and they they stay in the same place to do it they're not really wandering around the only people who wander around with a computer are people who are doing a job um a kind of like a physical job like a shop floor or a a factory or something like that Uh, anybody who's an office worker uh or you know just a casual computer user um apart from the people who wander around with their phones like glued glued to their faces glued to the screens as they're walking around um they they obviously would uh would would probably make better use of a head-up display because again if they're wandering around or walking down the street pinning the screen to the space they're in would it wouldn't really help them because they'd walk away from it they wouldn't be able to see it um so 
that I, to me it seemed i felt like after i watched the demonstration is that it was all cool and all but it, it's trying to fix a problem that i don't think people have i actually think in terms of spatial computing people really want something that the space needs to be in front of their face but i, I think it needs to move around with them i don't think it needs to be pinned to the space they're in i can't see people using it like that and there's a lot of tech in the vision pro to allow that to happen and don't get me wrong it looks like apple's done a phenomenal job far better than anybody else in terms of enabling that but i i I do find myself questioning the basic concept of uh you know having the windows stuck in a space around you and you then moving between them because I, i think most of us when we want to compute we want to sit down i mean if you want to interact with these things i know they talk about um using voice and siri and that sort of stuff but we've all been there done that and um you know those things are not good enough to allow you to run your computing environment today so i i I struggle to believe that on the vision pro they'll be so much better that everyone will go well i don't need a keyboard anymore if you need a keyboard even if it's a virtual keyboard that's projected in front of you which yeah they didn't show it very often they didn't show anyone using it they showed it there on one part of the keynote kind of get the impression if you're pecking at things in the air it's going to suck um but that's aside um yeah if you use a physical keyboard again it needs to be on a flat space in front of you you're not going to be walking around with that so i think this is my problem is that three and a half thousand dollars for cutting edge technology i think is fine but what that i think that technology want that the experience is delivering is an experience which is going to be cool and all i'm sure it'd be amazing for anybody uses it but i don't think anybody's dying for that right now i've certainly you know i've scanned the internet since uh, the thing came out and and apple products in the past when they're expensive people people have often said well yeah it's really expensive but you know what i really want it anyway and i'm trying to figure out a way to afford it or hope the price comes down nobody's saying that about the vision pro everyone's going oh it's really really great but nobody's saying, oh, I'm trying to figure out a way to uh, to get the new one, to to, to find the $3,500 to have one. Most people are looking at it and going, that's really great. I can't wait till it's cheaper. Um, something that, that suggests that maybe the experience that Apple are pitching here is not something that's compelling enough. If it's not compelling enough to make people go out and buy it. And I think this was the problem that these other products I've talked about, Magic Leap and HoloLens had which was they were also expensive. I mean, they, the uh, Magic Leap one was, I think it was about $2,500. Um, I picked mine up brand new for a couple of hundred because yeah, nobody bought them. Um, but uh, yeah, it was about $2,500. And the HoloLens as well was also thousands of dollars. But the, the problem was um, there was no compelling experiences for them. The technology had limitations. And... Yeah, it, they were they were solving a problem that a lot of people didn't seem to have, and and I I worry that even with Apple's marketing muscle behind it, Vision Pro is the same sort of thing. Um, you know, if somebody gave me one, I'd love to have one, but you know, even somebody who spends as much money on technology as I do, I'm not I can't see a situation unless I won the lottery. I can't see a situation where I'd ever try to scrape together the money to buy one. Um, because cool as cool as it looks and everything, um, and you know, I'm somebody who really likes the idea of computing in a virtual environment um i don't think it looks compelling enough to me and and yeah i i'm i well as i'm saying i think a head-up display that projects your ipad your iphone screens into a space in front of you 
but it, the, the, the screens move as you move, I think that's far more compelling. And I think for a lot of people, well, I talked before about the problem of people walking down the street staring at their phones. Well, take that screen and project it in front of them on some sort of screen, on some sort of glasses things. I think a lot of people go for that because they love their phones. And they, what they just want to be able to do is to use their phones more um, rather than necessarily reinvent computing. Now, it could be that some digital archaeologist will come across this clip in 10, 15 years' time and, and be going, oh, that guy didn't know anything, did he? What an idiot. Um, so I don't know. I mean, Apple, yeah, they, they, well, sometimes they know what they're doing, sometimes they're not. I'm very struck by what they did with the watch. The watch was very much like this when it was first launched. They didn't really know what people were going to do with it. And they showed all sorts of use cases when they first launched the watch. Uh, and people fastened onto some of those and um, not some of the others. Do you remember they used to have a thing where you could tap to people? Um, tap, well, nobody does that anymore. you know. And that, but yet they devoted quite a lot of the, uh, the watch keynote to that feature. Um, there's plenty of other features that come and gone on the watch. Um, that people don't use them for. It turns out what people really like the watch for is for surfacing messages off their uh, devices uh, and then and then tracking their workouts. Those are the two big big functions for the watch. And Apple didn't identify those as the as the core functions of the watch until after it been out on the market. Um, so you know they're doing the same here. The difficulty is that three and a half thousand dollars the people taking up and showing what you can do with that device might be vanishingly small which means that they're not a good enough sample of what it's capable of um and so from that point of view i hope that whatever happens with this device apple sticks at it and uh, does refine it and comes out with the new versions that yes not only are cheaper and more affordable for everybody but are also focused on what people say they want and what they see people using it for and it could be that you know the whole 3D dinosaurs coming out of your wall thing is not the big thing that everybody that, that Apple maybe thinks it is. It could be that the uh, the I, admittedly, I mean, when when I first heard the rumours about the eye display on the outside, I just thought it was stupid. Having seen the way they've implemented it, it's actually kind of cool. Um, it really is kind of cool about showing people what you're doing, even though your eyes are hidden by a headset. But I can imagine that part, that part of the functionality costs a lot of money. So um, be interested to see what, how much of that stuff sticks and how much of it doesn't. Um, you know, we, we all, Tim and I often talk about on this show about people need to innovate more. They need to come up with something new rather than just doing slabs of glass that are just the latest version of the iPhone. Well, this is definitely something different. Um, I don't... <laughs> You know, I, I don't know how it's going to go. Be interesting to come back after a few years and see if Tim and I are actually doing the show by um, wearing some sort of Apple headset as we talk to each other rather than uh, the way we do at the moment. But we'll see. Um, anyway, that's my hot take on um, all the stuff from WWDC. There's a, there's a separate conversation to have about the new versions of iOS and macOS. Um, to be honest with you, because of the hardware launches... That stuff hasn't received as much coverage. Um, and obviously it's all in beta at the moment. So we don't know what's going to stick and what isn't, and what's going to change. So I think that's a conversation for Tim and I to have at a later date. I am going to, I do have, um, I, I do have spare, uh, a spare iPhone. So I'm probably am going to load the beta 
when it goes becomes a public beta on the developer beta of iOS 17 onto that just to give it a try. Um, but uh, but we'll see how that goes. I doubt that um, I don't I doubt that Tim and I will be running the latest version of macOS on our Macs because um, you know we like using them for the day to day stuff and betas uh, uh, on the Mac are, are sometimes a little bit rougher. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Anyway, what are your guys' thoughts? I'd really interested to hear what people think about the Vision Pro. Very interested to hear what Tim thinks about the Vision Pro. So I look forward to hearing his comments. Speak to you soon.